you. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Not Boring Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Redman, founder of YourV1.com. This is not suits and handshakes business. This is not boring business. Let's go. <clears throat> oh yeah uh okay we're here man hello hey welcome brian well thank you so much jeremy i'm so happy that you're here and that why well well hold on hold on a sec i want to go talk about these buttons again oh so, like, okay one of the one things i want at the button is like you're boring right these are these are buttons that are beside oh, yeah. host and guest sitting yep. in the same room recording this very podcast on the table in between the chairs you Big press the button, button when someone gets boring and then I wanted the, uh, my biggest other problem with podcasting is the authenticity of people. Mm. So they, wa- I know they want to say something, but they won't because they're afraid because they know it's being recorded. Yep. I think so I'm happens. like, why, why is that? Why do you think people clam up when a microphone turns on or a, or a camera turns on in a, in a world of open transparent, way more open transparency and you can do whatever you want and get elected president. In that world, true. what, look, why? Why is that? Is it a human nature thing? It's a human nature thing. Like, I, mean, well, I don't want this. This is what I what I say to my wife. I don't want to yeah, say this to. It's awkward too. You know, just two of us are sitting in this room right now, but you know, it's like the whole internet could be listening to it later, right? Sure. So you have no idea who that could be. Then there's the other side of it too, which is there's the, there's the information you represent to the rest of the world. This is true for founders and investors for sure. And then there's the truth, truth, the, the part that's like yeah. what's happening in your day to day, the shit blowing up everywhere. You're running out of money. Um, you have, you know, issues with someone, your coworkers. That stuff happens every day, but you don't bring that up on a podcast. But I want to. Well, feel free. Right. It, so this like, is why you have a podcast. Right. This is why I like I if anything, I think it hurts my feelings most when people call me not transparent and not honest or not something. Mm. And I'm like. I I tell people before they come on our platform, one guy, and I've told this story, I guess, over and over now on this podcast, but like, he goes, well, you're untrusted. You're only six months old. And I go, yep. If you use our platform, all your shit could be fucked. Mm-hmm. Which all is true it. about pretty much anything. 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 You could be stolen from at any platform. Yeah. You could not. I had a guy use Airtable. Mm. Uh, he was one of our first investors. Right. One of our first investors. And he goes, they lost me as a customer because they lost all my data. That's like the one thing Airtable can't do, right? Right. Keep my data. And you're like, okay, they lost a customer because they lost a data and they're paying like, I don't know, 50 bucks a month or something, whatever it is, 30 Mm -hmm. bucks a month. Yeah. People are paying hundreds a month on our platform Mm -hmm. or whatever the cost may be, 60 bucks, something like that. You took an interesting approach. I mean- most I think what they're doing too is like they're like give me a reason to feel good about this you know it's mm. like a little moment where they want you to kind of give them a, a, a pep talk or sort of like a trust yeah. talk you know what I mean right so in my mind the right thing to do because you know these are your customers that make you, me feel good about this yeah just say like here's the way in which we protect you and here's how you know we've never had a problem before here's how we've dealt with it when there is a problem or we're going to deal that's with it that's smart you know yeah I'm a little more I'm a little more <laughs> blunt and direct <laughs> what happened he bought two days later. Okay, cool. Sometimes honesty works for people. <laughs> and he spent thousands of dollars. There so you like, go, folks. But in a, on a budget where now, realistically, 
I led with that authenticity, mm. right? Like probably in a sales call, in a sales call, you should most likely not say, if you go with us, all your shit could be fucked. Could be, yeah. That's, that's like, that was the that term that came approach. out of my mouth. <laughs> and I was like, bah, yeah, you're right. Like they could, it could all go to hell. I mean, imagine you try to, you know, buy a car or something right. like that. And, the, and you go, you, car. you drive this off the lot. It could be fucked. I mean, that's the truth, but like that's you don't want to hear that when you're buying the car. Or are we reaching a paradigm shift where now you're mm. like, all this stuff is bullshit. All the bullshit has risen to the top now because of social media. And you're all just- All the truth, I might right, say. All the truth. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. All of it's rising to the top. Yep. And now you're like, wait, but I like- that Someone just told me the truth. That is exactly how- The, the one thing you can't say about uh, Mr. President- Mm. is you don't know he's an asshole. Like, you can't be like, no, he's not. No. The guy got elected on a platform where you don't he was not know he's an you asshole. You don't not know. Okay. Yeah. I was like, uh, I think we've And you get elected <laughs> anyway. Yes. So, like, you're your 100% self. If someone vehemently hates you, is one thing I've learned. If someone hates you so yeah. much, doesn't want to be around you, there's another guy ready to, like... Or gal. Yeah, or gal. Yep. <laughs> Uh, to hang out with you and uh, fall on a sword for you. Yep, totally There's agree. Just, it is. Should we like introduce ourselves or myself? Or I'm something? I'm Jeremy, as Not Boring Nation knows. Brian, introduce yourself really fast. All right, everybody. Thank you for getting in this far without knowing who the hell is talking. <laughs> I'm Brian Landers. I am the COO at Backstage Capital. We are a venture fund that invests in exclusively underrepresented founders. So mm. we focus on people of color, women, and LGBTQ founders got you okay cool that's who i am and you're also one of one of the things that tickles my funny bone is an early employee at zapier yes yeah we Which, said zapier, oh, zapier. should i correct you on your own show yeah yeah they, they said zapier makes you happier it was like the mnemonic to they had to do that i feel but believe me so many customers it's tough by the way when your first customer interaction is correcting their pronunciation like zapier also, yeah. you know, oh one. right oh, it was rough Dude, no, come on. If you're going to make it zappier is happier, it's got to be Z-A-P-P. <laughs> P-P, yeah. That is, I would Fair pronounce Z-A-P-P. Plus app, zap, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Come on. Do you know why it's the name it is? Nope. Though? Okay, so it's API is in the name, and it started as an API integration platform. Oh, this is you... how you know two developers were part of the co-founder. I team. love that. <laughs> I did not know that. Yep. So that's why it's not two Ps because, I don't know, they wouldn't have been able to make that. Oh, my that. God. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Zap itself sounds good. It's not Zap. Like Zap. Right. Exactly. So you can do yeah. it both ways, kind of. Yeah. Like, you can play it both sides. Like, it's clear. It does not look like Happier yeah. or Zapier. How do we get into Zapier, by the way? Is because I'm, I'm a fanboy of Zapier. Excellent. It is impo- like all these platforms that I teach non-technical founders about, mm-hmm. about like I had a guy come to me yesterday. This is no shit. He goes, I want to build this streaming platform. And I said, okay, um, we could get you this and for like a little under two grand. Version one said that? Yeah. Version one okay. said we could get you this two grand, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And he goes, yeah, right. I had a pitch deck that was a hundred K that I needed to raise to make this. And I said, there will be some hacks. There will be some things. It will be your version one. Yeah. It will work. We'll figure out creative ways to solve these problems. But you will have this paywall. It will host all your stuff. We'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. And it will be a streaming platform. Guaranteed. What and happened next? He bought. There you go. So I, like, I'm getting a sense of uh, every story that you tell ends in that. 
Well, I got a couple that people that bought and fucking hate my guts. Yeah, that so happens. like that's always. I think a thing that's a mark well. of things going well too. It's just about the, like we're talking about, you know, people not liking you or whatever. Yeah. And that goes back to what you were talking about earlier, which is why don't you reveal every truth about everything? First of all, by the way, we have to call out that like some things are confidential. Like you literally mm. legally can't say them. For instance, like I don't know, most people don't know this, but like investors, unless they file for what's called a general solicitation fund aren't allowed to say that they're raising money because oh. if they sort of advertise that fact to people who are non-accredited investors, that's like illegal because it could be like a scam or something. So the, oh, you know, really? the government's trying to protect, you know, like a Ponzi consumer. scheme. Mm-hmm. So only people who have, what is it like it's a million bucks in uh, net worth or you make, I know. I think K. it's, t- Oh, that's you know what I mean. Is? It's 200 grand yep. a year. And or for like the last three years or something, something like that. Yeah. Or you need a million net worth net minus worth. your primary residence. There you go. So like to be an accredited facts investor. from Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> these are just little facts that I know. Yeah, but so back to that. So like you know, if you are raising money as an investor and you're not even allowed to say it except for you know behind closed doors or whatever. Yep. It's tough, by the way, because you have you're almost like doing the same thing that you know founders are doing when they're fundraising, but founders can just go, I'm fundraising, give me yeah, money. Yeah, right. So it's a bit of a sneaky thing. But also you don't tell founders sometimes that like, hey, I'm raising money. I don't have any money to invest right now. And you know, does, so I, does that look kind of bad? It looks kind of bad, I would guess, the optics well, of that. The answer is no, right? If you can't invest, then yeah. right now it's a no, you know? Yeah. And VCs hate giving that answer. It's one of those indicators that I like because again, I'm not a fan of it. Like I'm a pure purebred entrepreneur profit bitch like <laughs> i want to make money mm-hmm. i'm in this to make money yeah like i don't want to it's celebrate giving away chunks of my company right exactly you know like i get the game of getting in tech crunch if you're a consumer play mm-hmm. and then getting more consumers and more eyeballs and then it runs down the funnel sure. and there's no better thing to get in tech crunch or the la times or new york whatever it is yeah. get written about in people magazine. when it works yeah when it works and how does an investor look at that kind of like fundraising goal? Like it's your lifeblood, but you're not very entrepreneurial, right? Like you're- Do you mean for investors raising money from, yeah. help, from limited partners? Do it that other way around, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I will tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a lot the same. I mean, you know, VCs are, um, they're going around to like the, you know, 100 people to try to ask, probably even more actually. Um, just like founders have to with VCs, VCs have to do with the people that invest in them who are called mm-hmm. limited partners or they could be um, institutional investors, funds of funds. There, yeah. Folks, there is this like whole money world <laughs> out there. And if you haven't, you know, explored the depths of it, it goes deep. Yeah. And it's kind of freaky and weird. And, you know, um, I don't feel much at home in certain certain like once I get to a certain level of that yeah. stuff. But here's the thing, instead of say, you know, some VCs can't write certain size checks, they need to write a million dollar check because they need a big chunk of equity, like 20% of the company or whatever it is to justify the return that they would get, that they're looking to get, right? And if they write too small a check and get too small a stake in the company, they'll never get that back. So it's just a no non-starter for them, right? Yeah. Same thing happens on the LP side, investing in venture funds. Um, except for the checks, instead of being like, I can't write you, you know, uh, it has to be a million dollar check. These are like multi-billion dollar, you know, multi, even bigger than that sometimes. Um, and they could be like family offices is one. That starts to get into the PE territory. Like yep. Private, private equity. equity. Yeah. Private equity is interesting. You, you get an interesting sense that like when private equity folks kind of talk with investors, they're always sort of like, 
they have a bad reputation it seems like because sometimes they they're known for like going in and buying companies and then well they are well yeah exactly. and turning them in and making them more efficient yes sometimes efficient makes re- takes really hard choices mm-hmm. where it feels like VCs like are more the Brett Favre like just the gunslingers yeah that makes like, sense well, I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this where they're thinking more like is there a real possibility we return on this capital? Right. Not like we're hoping game. one out of 10, <laughs> right. but they also have way deeper pockets. They're buying yeah. $400 million hospitals yeah. and trying to turn them around. Different different beast, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's just up to each person kind of where you gravitate toward in that whole thing. Like, you know, I, I would say too, like it feels a little bit less like you know, that sort of like initial starting thing that founders have yeah. where they just want to start nothing to something. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That that's, if that's what your thing is, I don't know like how exciting this other stuff would be for you. And you just, you know, maybe you need to be aware of it so that you know where your money is coming from if you're raising money. Yeah, sure. You know? But also VC is venture capital is not the best path for tons of businesses. Majority I, of businesses. Tell me, tell me this. Uh, here's my opinion. And then you tell me right, wrong, or indifferent. Okay. Is it like a game? Are we doing this a, is now a game. not boring game? This is a game. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I should do that. But here, here's my here's my thing. I I want to be I want to be a world class entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. World class. Okay. Like, so you want to be a world class entrepreneur. Yep. Okay. I think I could get there. Like and I, I look at every what I consider, just my own preference a world-class entrepreneur to be, okay, right? Like perfect. a so Brian Chesky, right? Uh-huh. A, uh, I, w- I would be more about the Brian Chesky. That's the level I want to be. Not mm-hmm. necessarily like the Jeff Bezos or the Steve Jobs. Yeah. Like at least that level, you would point and go, he hasn't gotten kicked out of his company yet. Mm-hmm. He's about to take an IPO. Mm-hmm. So he made that transition from founder to executive. Yes. Good speaker, communicates vision. Absolutely. Culture. And has like a decacorn. Yeah. For everyone that doesn't know what decacorn is a ten billion dollar company. Billion, which is the new, you know, which is used the to be new unicorn. unicorn. Yeah. Which was a billion. And then like, you know, so in other words, investors back to this check size thing, like they needed to hit one out of every ten needed to be Yeah. A right. unicorn. Now it's a decacorn. Decacorn? Is yeah. that what they say? It's one out of ten now needs to be a decacorn? Is that well, the thing now? That's I mean, if you it, it just depends. Cause if you have a certain fund that only invests ten times a year, sure. You need some returns on some of those companies. Yeah, and just, I agree. The the law of the thing is that it won't most of them will fail. You know? Yeah, I agree. So nine out of ten. Yeah. So, so like and which brings up another point that which I well, let's go to this one. Okay. The oh, yeah, world class entrepreneur. And world class I believe that world-class entrepreneurs, one thing that I have seen in every single one of them okay. is they are backed by VC money, okay. right? Yeah. So there is, I'm drawing some correlation between raising from big name VCs big name that too? introduce okay. you for biz dev or get you in the rooms with mm. certain people. There's board meetings with the most important people in the world because yeah. the people that sell Netscape or sell a, all these people run their own funds. Yes. So getting these, it's the next goal. So you're, you're staying abreast above the best entrepreneurs of all time when you're in these people, cause that's what they do. Yeah. They start their companies exit. And a lot of them either start another company and go, if you're an entrepreneur Yeah. or they go to like venture capital, PE, some of these things. It's less attractive to start a company when you have, you know, like a Pinterest on your hands or something, you know? Agreed. Yeah, yeah, Why, yeah. What are you going to do? I remember right. like, they used to talk about Zuckerberg saying like, you know, 
when he when when he stepped down. What am CEO. I gonna make? I mean, it's talking about that now for different reasons, but yeah. this was way early on, and like he was like, "What am I gonna do?" That's yeah, like gonna possibly be as big right. as Facebook. You know what I mean? And, and why uh, would you step aside for that when you're already like leading that charge? And I know? command the charge. Yeah. I like how he got that shit in the paperwork, but this mm. is what the whole controlling interest. Although he only owns like twenty five percent of the company or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, genius. I guess you have to have something no one else has and like desperate investors. You're like, fuck, I want to invest in this. Maybe. Sure, I'll give you 51% control. Yeah. You know? It's it's probably luck involved. There's probably all kinds of things. It's not common to have it that way. No, I agree. In terms of the sort of definition of like, you know, world-class entrepreneur, I think it's okay to have that awareness of kind of where it goes. But on day one, you know, Brian Chesky, all these other folks you're talking about, they didn't start as the people that we know them as now. Yeah, sure. They were just, like everybody else, like struggling. Look at the Airbnb store. I mean, it's like, it's not super rosy. You know, it was a yeah. really tough beginning that sounds like they almost failed like multiple times. I love that though. They're for where they made, in their first year of operation, mm-hmm. they made, they had this point where they weren't making much money. The site had been up a year or whatever. Are you going to tell the serial story? Oh yeah, that's it. I've heard this story so many times. From who? Brian Chesky. If you heard Brian Chesky or Joe oh, Gabbia you, you, on you. interviews, man, they so listen Did listen to any podcast that? or YouTube video where any of the founders of Airbnb talked, and they're so if they're they so don't good know, at like story. Do you want to tell the, the story? I mean, look, tell the story for the listeners. All right, the story in in a nutshell is that they had ran run out of money. They were deep in credit card debt. They had like folders of like credit yeah. cards at this point, right? Um, and they decided to they needed some like revenue coming in just anyhow. So they decided they part of their their thing that they were working on was giving rooms or I guess it was literally air mattresses yeah. um, for, you know, Democratic National Convention, um, you know, big political events, things like that. And so they decided to this was when Obama was running for uh, president. And so it was like they made cereal. They got like, you know, wholesale cereal, made their own custom boxes. It's a bunch of designers. Right. So they they were good at that part made these really cute cartoon images and put it on the front. Obama O's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Captain McCain was what the other one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, and actually like sold quite a bit of this stuff. They, like, this 50K. is the part I wanted to, yeah. <laughs> they made 50K from these cereal boxes. Yeah. And Kept them alive. five grand mm-hmm. from the business. Yeah. Now, do you think about this and you're like, <laughs> you're like, wait, I, what business are we in? <laughs> right. Are we in the cereal business? Yeah. And you think when I get challenges like, oh, we're like I told you. I told you where we're hitting revenue-wise, mm-hmm. and it's like you look at me and you look at the stage and where we've launched this just seven months ago. Your, yours looks better right now right. than Airbnb's, right? So Your like, story as it's developing, as it's going, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, but you still come to these bullshit fucking investors or whatever, and they're like, well, you know, I don't see, I don't know how big this opportunity <laughs> is. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't see that. Get off my Google Hangout. Well, if you can't see, why are you even? And I do do this. I do think that I don't <laughs> you say boot this. out investors. No, I don't oh. say this. I don't. I should. I will. Okay. I bet you eventually. I don't know if I support this, but what are you gonna say? All right. I. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know I if I advise say, you like, to do this. Why would you take this meeting? Right. Like, why would you take this meeting? You are wait. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to take your time with something I didn't think you were in. Mm-hmm. But I'm feeling it out. Is it for, am I here for, do I entertain you? Could be that. Do I look like a clown? This is the thing you hear about, um, you know, don't, people often say like, don't meet with, you know, junior team members on VC teams, Jesus, like I know. analysts, uh, associates, because 
half the time, especially for bigger firms, they're just trying to get information out of you. They're trying to learn about your market. They're trying to yeah. learn about your exact metrics. If you'll, you know, be so bold as to tell them on right. a first call. Yeah. Um, and they don't really have any interest in investing in you. They're just sure. sort of like gathering Intel, maybe giving advice to their own portfolio companies. That sucks. Like you don't want to waste oh, your time. Yeah. On I didn't that. think about that. Yeah. And it's yeah. not a hard and fast rule because sometimes that associate has a great relationship. Like at our, our firm, our associate Chacho, he's like, you know, Arlen's, you know, right hand person. He's with her traveling all the time. Yeah. He does, you know, takes meetings for her. So that may be a great move in that case. You just have to kind of, this is the thing. Humans yeah. are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Fuck no one rule works for everything. Sorry, y'all. I bet you. No, you're right. The one thing I was worried about is like pissing off an investor because I wouldn't show them something. And I'm so transparent. Mm. I'm like, outside of showing, I will probably, I don't care. What level do you have to be in investment to like me show you a code base? A code base? Yeah. Probably due diligence. Like, at w but at what stage of investment would you even, oh, would you open any of that to? Wait, wait. So what stage of in, in, in the conversation of a potential investment? No, for instance, like I won't, I won't open my books for anyone that's not in for like 100K. Oh, how much? Yeah. So like, would that's you? It's up to you. So like a seed would be like a million. You're thinking that's still a risk, a gamble, like initial traction, mm -hmm. like 10 million. You think, okay, we want to see the tech and how it works. It right, like what is that? It depends on how important the tech is. It depends how if anyone on the um, VC team can even like you know val like vet that code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some people like hire other folks to do that. Like CTOs of other companies will do but that. But would you before a check is cut? Would you let them look at all your stuff? Let alone just tell you how it works. This is interesting. No one talks about this much, but due diligence is is that it's about like kind of you know lifting up the hood of the pr proverbial car and sort of like letting them peek in and see what's yeah. really going on you can still obscure stuff by the way <clears throat> excuse me do you edit this no oh no that's on there all good um <laughs> you know you can still obscure things like you know maybe you've had uh talent issues in the past um yeah. and so y you can you still want to be as honest as possible but hold back some information but if they're asking for a data room with like, you know, P&L and, you know, what are yeah. your numbers? It's hard to not move ahead without giving that information. So you have to act in good faith that like you really will do a deal if all this works out. I don't trust any of them. I well, don't think. You it's good I mean? to be like, skeptical, but this is just part of business. It's like a bank. Yeah. If you wanted a bank loan, you'd have to show a certain amount of information, right? Yeah. I think it's like that. It's like you don't get money for nothing, right? At That's least true. In my experience. Yeah. No, and you <laughs> cool. don't give money for nothing. Yeah. Right? Yep. But I always think like, well, you actually, know what? I'm giving you a living. piece of my company. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're getting the upside of this. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that's what, you know, the best plan A always has a plan B standing behind it. Yes. It's like, I guess you just figure what, what is the least path, the path of least resistance? I'm going to go with A. I like A and B, mm -hmm. right? I like them both minimal. What, what do I have to do less? Right? Like who's going to be faster? I like you both. Do you get into where... Have you ever, I'm sure you have, where you've given a term sheet out? I like this, Jeremy. You can just do the whole podcast yourself. I'm going to go get, <laughs> smoke a cigarette. No, I'm just kidding. I don't smoke. <laughs> so when you've delivered a term sheet, right, and it's not accepted by the entrepreneur, how do you guys feel? What do you guys do? I don't know that that's ever happened. And oh. it's, we're a weird firm because, like, you know, people think, you know, backstage and specifically Arlen, our, our founder and managing partner is, you know, just rolling in money because she's sure. got like a, you know, Random House, Pe Penguin Random House book. She's on oh, the cover shit. of Fast Company. 
she's like got all kinds of cool stuff going on, has the most amazing, inspiring story that I've ever heard. But it's still really hard to raise money. Uh, we've yeah. invested, you know, $7 million at Backstage. And to put wow. that in perspective, what's considered a micro VC is under $100 million. So we're like, we're not even on the map uh. of like what that is. And I'm proud of how much impact we, and you know, noise we've made for what we've done. Right. But it, and also the, you know, just the number of underrepresented founders we invest in changes these statistics. Um, like for instance, like black women, like we invest in more black women than most other firms, you know, oh, cool. and this is even at the highest levels of these non micro, right. um, you know, VCs. But, um, where was I going with that, Jeremy? I don't know, but I, where like, should I go I, with it? I like where you're going with it. You like do? the culture of the firm that you're in and oh. that your COO is or yep. that COO of yes. Why you've joined. Mm-hmm. I would like, why don't we dive in to like, want to talk about that? You, well, I want to talk about how you went from Zapier. Okay. To, and I called it Zapier. Yeah, well yeah. done. Woo. And then how you made it to fucking VC. Okay. Good question. Good question. It's a bit weird. And also, how do I end up as a white dude, like being in a, a Oh, company? that's a great one. I never really <laughs> put that's that. That's what I thought you were con- going with. No, it. no, no, no. Yeah. I get that question sometimes at, you know, VC a events. A blue-eyed, like, huh. blonder hair. <laughs> white guy yeah at like the most diverse Straight. firm yeah yeah i'm i'm literally <laughs> the opposite of our criteria you are the poster child of them yep. for like hey we're mm-hmm. we're diverse yeah and believe me you know like sitting in in the room when we're kind of figuring out how to like act on our mission is definitely i'm aware of it yeah i'm i'm the minority in our so why get but. why hire you why yeah like, put you anywhere and to take it back to so like at um after zapier i was looking to start my own thing so i had like two mm. you know failed attempts some of them were like you know we you know co-founder and i applied to yc and we didn't want to do like remote co-founding of the company so that didn't work out another one just kind of you know fizzled out but it was it was what was the yc one what was the did the you YC interview one? with yc uh, we didn't actually get an interview. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't even get that far. But um, it was an awesome uh, guy. Jason Ivanish was his na- is his name. Okay. He, he lives in Boston now, but he was in San Francisco at the time. He went and launched it. It was called Lighthouse, getlighthouse.com. Oh, okay. By the way, if you're into, like, management, if you if you like to geek out on management stuff, he was so good at the content around that. Okay. So check out that blog, getlighthouse.com. You're welcome, Jason. <laughs> um, uh yeah, and it, they just didn't didn't work out, and it was clear that like you know that wasn't the sort of path I wanted to spend ten years doing. And right around that time, I was freelancing during that time okay. as a designer developer. Um, right Your around front end dev. Yeah, front yeah. end. I, actually, I mean, back when I was doing it, it was full stack. Oh wow! So I would do the wow. back end well, stuff. Like a true full stack dev. Yeah. Wow. The old school kind. And designer. And designer. I can only imagine what you can command. Well, here's the tricky part. Like when you can do everything, you the hardest thing for for that person is to recruit others to help delegate because they can't. Things. Because you're like, oh, I'll you just do this. It'll be people. it'll be good. And then like you sit at home for you know a month or whatever coding your app, which is, as you know, with version one is like the exact opposite of what you should yeah do. yeah sure you right. should go talk to people you should right. go recruit yeah. a co-founder if you can recruit everyone it's around getting you. something in the marketplace to actually do that yeah because yeah. after a month all that work if no one cares that really sucks correct you know? yeah um so when that wasn't working i was gonna explore more um startups in the hr space so i started my own podcast called mission and values 
it was a hack. It was a way to like get on the phone with awesome CEOs for like an hour. Trojan horse it. Yeah, like well, I love it. You know what are they gonna do? Like, uh, hi, I like you know talking about HR, and I'm not sure what product I'm gonna make. Will you spend an hour talking to me? And they're like, you know, hell no. Yeah, and sure, right. So, uh, but they will be on a podcast that features their culture and you know nice. highlights them. And I pick, you know, I get to pick the people, so I yep. made sure that was the case. So they were good cultures. Um, and had uh, Wade was my first guest actually from from Zapier. What you got calling your friends on your podcast? Yeah, for sure, right, <laughs> dude. Wade was supposed to come on a little while, like a year ago. Oh yeah, no and way. We didn't sync. Like he'd be fun. Something didn't sync up or whatever, and yeah. we were like, because we've something exchanged sync a shit Zapier. ton of emails over the last oh. like three four years. Oh, it's too bad. Um, and he said he's great at interviewing, so yeah. I'd highly recommend. Is him. he PR trained now? I don't or know. does he not have to do that shit because he only raised what he needed to raise? He probably doesn't and have then to. Print what you said at our conference to me. What did I say? You said what'd you say? <laughs> oh, you said something like a bunch of bullshit. You, I love your bullshit, by the way. <laughs> but you said, uh, I think in like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you were like, "Yeah, dude, they they raised a little over a million dollars. Yes, from Y Combinator. And they never had to raise mm -hmm. um, anything ever again because they were printing money. Yeah. And I go, I need business, to do that to print my make yeah. so much money and so much margin that you're like, people need this. People yeah. want to see this. I want to still raise VC. That's the other part. If you want to grow something that's already working, now that's like really exciting, right? Yeah, right. And that's a different proposition than like, oh shit, like we're almost out of operating capital. We haven't hit that next milestone to raise the next round. Yeah, sure. Now you're in a really tough spot. And right. Like, that's that's totally different than like we don't actually need money, but like if we have money, we can grow strategically in these places. Yes. You know. That's what we I want. We hire a sales team. We can um, have a presence like in these different places that would make sense to our customers. You right. know. Like for you, you could go to hackathons or whatever. You imagine somebody's sure. like an evangelist that goes out for version. Right, like, yeah. You know? um, so you just have like ubiquity everywhere. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. That's what money can and do. And I, I like this this speaking thing I'm going to make. Oh, yeah. Are you, yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you leaking that? Are you announcing that No, now? I'm not. Okay. I'm not. But like, wow, that's a tease then. It is the... It is the Version 1 has some new tech coming, y'all. Dude, It's going to be exciting. That's all I'll say. I want to try to get... I want to approach it with the Alexa, Google... Mm. Surrey angle like Very cool. just going making at least the land and just clicking a button and going what like making so you this are app. announcing this no I'm not okay but like I eventually it will come out and then someone like, will do this I hope it's you I I'm gonna do it this is the future yeah imagine like you know everyone out there like what's the easiest possible way you could think of to make an MVP or just you know the first version of your product or idea um, and just imagine Whatever that is, and hopefully Jeremy will come come at you with that value prop. Yeah. Soon. I'm gonna. Oh, just just wait, everyone. Not boring nation. Okay. Now you go. Uh, Wade was your first guest. Oh, Wade was my first guest. Yeah. Um, How did that Cancel. podcast go? Oh, that was awesome. It okay. was you know long. Why did you stop? Stop that podcast? Yeah. Oh, so the, this is what the rest of the story was. So by the end of season one, I started meeting amazing founders. You know, women. I interviewed um, Shivani Saroya from Tala. Okay. Um, and, you know, just a bunch of other great, great founders that were, you know, like underrepresented founders. So people of color, women. And I noticed that, like, I was the first one interviewing them on podcasts. And that was weird because, like, these were like, like, Shivani right now is like, she's on the cover of magazines and whatever. Sure. You know, she's amazing. And she was back then, too. And it was a really notable uh, company. And the way that they were doing, they were just way early on the awesome, smart, you know, fintech stuff. Um, so... 
I kind of made that my whole purpose of the podcast was like, okay, I'm going to like seek out underrepresented founders and try to get them on the podcast because like they should be highlighted. They're awesome. You know, maybe they'll have some different advice than other founders, you know? Um, And so that's how I met Arlen Hamilton. And so she, I called her up to see if any of her companies, which I think she had about 30 companies at the time in her portfolio would want to be on the show. But then we had a call and like, you know, completely hit it off. And it was like, she told me a little bit about her story just wow. to like to share that, you know, if you've never heard it before, she was homeless and on food stamps when she started raising her first million dollar Perfect. fund. Um, she had already tried to go the route of getting a job, you know, as an associate or analyst or something and got all knows. Um, she's a self-described black gay woman. And she was just like. <laughs> what the hell like and she was meeting founders that you know were people of color and women and she saw them being awesome they they came from MIT they worked at Google like you name it there wasn't even anything obviously like not there just not getting intros not getting yeah. these connections not getting checks um so she was like screw it i'm going to do this myself and so she went from what i described you know sleeping on the floor of SFO to getting money from Mark Andreessen you know Stuart Butterfield what flipped I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before. But someone needed to believe in her. Yeah, that was a, um, a like a former Salesforce executive, um, oh, and once that happened, it made it real, right? Yeah. And then I th- it's just like a founder. Like once you get that first check in, all of a sudden you get some momentum, and people are like, "Okay, this is going to happen." You know? Yeah, right. I think it was like that. You'd have to ask her for the whole story, but um, it was a lot of rejection, ton of no's. I mean, you know, whatever the normal funnel is for like raising VC, I guarantee you hers was like. 10 times that, you know? Okay. So just tons and tons of outbound, reaching people, being relentless, being, you know, per- persistent in a polite way, hopefully. Um, that's what she preaches now. So I'm guessing that's what she was doing. <laughs> okay. And plus she got the money, so it worked right. out. Um, but yeah, so we, we hit it off and then it started being like weekend projects. You know, I, we did a little um, nonprofit thing as a side project together. Then I took over all the marketing for Backstage, all the design stuff. Then it was like, oh, now we're hiring a team. I was the first employee. Um, we brought on another managing uh, general partner. And then all of a sudden, like... Did the name ever change? No. Backstage Capital okay, was okay. it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, at one point, I looked So it around. started from a podcast interview. Well, my side of it started from Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Definitely not Arlen's side. She was doing her thing the whole time. But um, man, yeah, this is the, this is the thing. I, like, you just never know. Look where... at what podcast brings to you. That's right. Podcast brings you sales, Trojan horsing. Yep. And then jobs, potentially jobs. Oh, I mean, yeah. This is what. Why did you stop that? You have a very like congenial, <laughs> like mu- like mouth. Oh, you know mouth. <laughs> like speech. You okay, know? got it. Not like not aesthetically, but just sort of like yeah. aesthetically, I guess. <laughs> you could take that. So like you're very like you're very good. Like I, you I've should continue to on do podcasts. the podcast. Yeah, we'll keep doing them. Yeah, like, we got busy at some point. We launched Acceler like four accelerator programs, and yeah. that was like from nothing, like September of last year, and had to do curriculum, hiring teams in four cities around the world. That that sort of eats up a lot of time. Yeah, I don't know if you you you've, you've got an accelerator, right? Well, we just kind of launched it. Okay. Like, uh, and it's it's hilarious to me that like we got a no from this one accelerator thing, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, fuck for you. For version one itself. Yeah, for version one itself. Okay. Interesting so, reaction. It, I said, I, yeah, that's me though. <laughs> I get a no, and I'm just like, fuck you. You know nothing. That's just what I think. But did you email that? Fuck no. Okay. I was good. Like, I was like, don't email that. No, I was like, <laughs> oh, you're so you're. No, I get it, man. You're great. <laughs> 
Right. Ugh. And meanwhile, I'm rolling my eyes yeah. in bed going that's, like, you're a fucking asshole. I think you know what I mean? All, like, we all like, feel that way. You have that. If you don't have that feeling, mm-hmm. when you get that, mm-hmm. you're a liar. Mm. You're a liar. Yeah. It's the, being rejected. It correct. You're being rejected. So at least for a split sec, yeah. you're thinking, you don't fucking get this. You're the piece of shit. As you're saying, yeah. Oh, and dude, some founders will just say that. Do they? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, sometimes I wish I did. Especially accelerator programs, because it's it sucks as a founder to be rejected without a reason, which yeah. by the way is what happens most of the Man, time. We got a bullshit reason, but like whatever. Well, at least you got a reason. I mean, I've mm. definitely seen. I've seen. You know, I mean, even at backstage, like we had, you know, 1,900 applications for our accelerator. Like well, we can't, we can't take the time to like give. How did you market feedback. it? How do we market it? Well, Arlen, back to Arlen again. She has an amazing, you know, PR reach. And okay, so yeah, sure. that, she's got like, I don't know how many, hundred, thousands of. Oh, wow. Okay. What's she up to now? Like 50K? I don't know. On Twitter followers. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, that's probably the wrong number. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't been on Twitter in a while. But um, yeah. And so, you know, we also, because of our mission, we, we tend to like become, a, you know, prominent story for press and sure, stuff you. like that yeah. so that helped um for and the then underrepresented also, well that's it too yeah. like if you if you say you're for a specific set of people like it is you become like the yep. place for them to go you know? and when we are saying our thing is non-technical entrepreneurs that's right dude it is such a niche so we have a thing like i told wade i made this whole little chapter of my ebook on mm-hmm. and he gave me a couple quotes Perfect. so like a whole we have a whole lesson in our curriculum about zapier Awesome. Right? Like how to navigate the CMS, how to do everything that we teach you to do. Yeah. And when you put this resource out there, that's like a lot of these people also don't know that a product will constantly have these little bugs yes. and these kind of things in it. Yes. So there's so many things that go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to close out the one story, the mm-hmm. guy told me no. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck you. I'll start my own. Started That's an my interesting own. reaction. Not the typical reaction. Right. Usually it's all applied to a different one. <laughs> right. And I go, no, I have something no other accelerator has. Well, okay. So what, what got you from no to like, I'll do my own accelerator? Usually Be- it's like, I'll find a different I had way to gotten, raise money. Or... I had gotten approached okay. from a shit ton of others that were like, uh, will you be the tech side of ours? Oh. We'll pay you X amount of money or like you can, we'll, we'll push your pedal, your thing and you give us 10%. Okay. So you already had an indication that there was something. Yeah. There. And we had investors tell us, so like you're an app accelerator, like you, mm. you accelerate the app building process. That's true. Yeah. And I go, oh shit. It dovetails perfectly into the education like piece that. of our platform, yeah. putting a customized mobile app in the cloud, yeah. all these other things that don't exist. And we've had like dozens and dozens of applications with almost zero marketing. Wow. It's just on an email list right now. Hmm. Um, and no one's really talking about it or pushing it out. Meanwhile, we have like four, four dozen or so already applications. Mm-hmm. And there's a program fee. So like it's yeah, I was like gonna say what is the what are the mechanics of the nine ninety seven and okay. you get all you get your app you get everything that you need how is it different from me- just the normal like thing then uh it's not okay to be honest like they can come in the office mm-hmm. and then use the office space Special. for the three month thing oh that's and cool. then it ends in a demo day uh-huh. which you'll have to come to oh hell yeah but like it ends in a demo day I don't know if we're gonna have it at Google or like convene downtown excellent. 
but all this this is, the, this is the la specific audience huh no oh okay we ha- oh wait the podcast the podcast yeah it's a it's like 50 percent of our listeners are in la okay what's up y'all what's up la y'all <laughs> <laughs> and i had uh, to drive from santa monica <laughs> to get over here <laughs> Probably weird. The trouble, the trouble you had to go. <laughs> it wasn't through bad actually. Here. It was only like how half long did an it hour? take you? Like thirty-five minutes, which is oh, really good. Oh come on! Yeah, it takes me forty-five to get to like Culver sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, enough of bad. our traffic problems. Well, now we've done that, so everyone so, in LA dude, is like, "Dude, now I'm a now for real." It is like, oh, okay, I could. Ru- I've had people come up to me now with the the success of this ex- accelerator thing, uh-huh. and go, "So you're delivering a curriculum, one mentorship." And intros to investors mm-hmm. and building their product for nine ninety seven, and I go immediately. That was the intro price. What what like, is what are the other accelerator price points that like require money from the founder? Well, a lot of them claw back tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, I see. So they they pretend to give you money, right? So they give you fifty k or twenty k mm-hmm. or a hundred and fifty k, and they go, well, we're gonna claw back twenty or thirty grand for the program mm-hmm. fee. How do founders feel about that? I wonder. I uh, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, this one fifty for six percent, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and and they take equity in your company, so they're still they're double dipping. Yeah, right. That sucks. So like for me, I'm like, dude, I could I could pay I could charge three k because you have operational costs, right? Like, like we have we have the same costs as they all have, right? right? Yeah, and we're doing it for like especially with the one to one stuff. That we can only do for like 20, 30 people. Really. Right. So it like, is capped because of right. that special yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to do it more virtually and everything else. We'll bring a couple virtual people. That's like what a, I was going to say. A it couple people like, yeah. uh, applied from New York and San Francisco and uh-huh. Chicago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, don't know how they got do it. Do you have like a um, time period during which the accelerator runs? Like, yeah, it's it... mid-December to late February. Okay. Um, that ends in the demo day. That's an interesting time, by the way, with holidays in, in the middle of all of it. I guess founders don't care. They're just they're doing fuck? their thing. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> they just go, I want to, we're getting hungry people that are like, I want to build shit. Yeah. That's so, cool. like, maybe now, it's a good test, actually. This one fucking accelerator tells me no, and I'll go make uh, 300K then. My own, equity free. Man. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's kind of what I think. Like, well, I props. like, no one tells me no. So, you'll tell me no, and like, it'll be like, Shit. This or, might be a trait of the uh, world-class entrepreneur, by the way. <gasps> oh, I love you. <laughs> you know that for saying that. This mo- We'll have to recap this fucking episode. There you now, go. Like three years from now. That'd be funny. All right. I mean, say some big, big prediction thing. Like, what, what would be your dream of I will one? ring the bell I, at New York Stock Exchange. Oh, there you go. That's pretty cool. Within the next six years. Hell yeah. Do you All think right. that's a good thing? Six years? Do so you think six years is a good... I think you should always set your goals ambitious and high, right? Because yeah. if you if you set them there, I mean, you have to be careful about how you communicate them, of course. That's but like six, six, seven years. Yeah, seven. Most people fail in startups anyway. Why not six. like challenge yourself? And if you even get like halfway there, that's pretty yeah. amazing. You know what I mean? I agree. Besides, you don't know literally if that's the way it'll work out. Maybe there will be no IPOs by then because it's just such a you know different market or something. That could be. You know what I mean? So. And also, maybe you get to like take a tour of the stock exchange and just like ring the bell for fun, <laughs> and then like it didn't matter. <laughs> they probably don't do that. You but. know what's hilarious is I would do that. <laughs> if would. Six years came up. <laughs> I'd pay someone. Uh, let me ring this bell. Just let me ring. I it. told it. I told on a podcast six years ago. I was going to ring the bell at New York Stock. Let me ring the bell. Yeah. I would run up there. I would spend 
a day in jail. In jail. To make sure, <laughs> like, get a, to, like, ring the bell really fast. There and go, you go. Security, take him off. You know, take him yep. to the jail cell. I bet you're not alone in that, by the way. I'm Probably. sure that's a thing. I was thinking, what about for this accelerator if you started investing money? Because you'd be, we could. Gonna be having all this money coming in you yeah. know, from, from customers. Then you can do interesting stuff with that to grow. And it all feeds itself, right? Because if it more does. founders make more apps, yeah. make more functionality, more MVPs, that's good for you. It was complex to start it in any way, that kind of way now. Mm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. It's a really great launching pad for what our platform is and then explaining what it is and getting those... 30 people in mm-hmm. to where they go spread the message and they're diehard evangelists. Yeah. They got to go through the interview and screening process. Yeah. At the same sense. time, because we have to cut it down somewhat. But yep. Yep. How yeah. do you run with your accelerators? So, in terms of the process, yeah. We have an open application process, which is sort of a statement around, you know, anyone should be able to, to get consider consideration. Um, and we have at least like two people review every application. And like okay. I said, we had 1900. So that was quite a quite an ordeal. Like we had to kind of have a whole team reviewing and we actually had partners, you know, some other corporations were, were helping with oh, some wow. of that stuff. Most of that was actually for like, um, you know, learning purposes. So like there's this awesome organization called HBCU VC okay. where they train underrepresented VCs to kind of, um, or, you know, oh, sure. black VCs because they're historically, yeah. You, you, whatever HBCU stands for that I can never say it. HBC. All. What, what's that? Historically black colleges? Exactly, and universities. There you go. Yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, and so they wanted their students to be able to see what does this deal flow look like? How do we, what if we had to decide who would we invest in? You know, what would we do? So that was what they were doing with it. But anyway, so yeah, we have a whole scoring criteria system to kind of navigate like having that many reviewers. Um, and then it kind of bubbles up. We did rounds of um, interviews. So like there were semifinalists and finalists. Okay. Um, and then eventually, yeah, you, you, you get selected and there were 24 companies out of those 1900 that got picked. Wow. Yep. And they got a hundred thousand dollar investment for five percent equity. Okay. Um, and we're do, even. Do you charge a program fee? No. Okay, got you. No, I, I, we're clearly, in, you know, definitely in the camp of like not wanting to charge founders. Yeah, right. At all for anything. Except the um, equity in the company. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. But hopefully that's like an aligned thing where it's like, in other words, 100%. we fail if they fail. So Correct, yeah. we're very much like in the same boat. Yeah, I agree. That, you know, was that l- l- quickly, let's get into the instruments of okay. raising money because you're on this. Okay. Uh, was that in a safe or was that in a convertible note or? It was a up? safe. Okay. And the, the sort of thinking there was just to keep it simple. I mean, okay, a lot yeah. of other accelerators like YC pioneered this. Um, they actually like have their doc like open yeah, sourced or whatever. Great. Lawyers are getting used to it. Um, what I will tell you is like, yeah, it would it would suck as an accelerator have to like negotiate every single founder's deal differently. Yeah. Different valuation, different whatever. And that's where it would be really break down, especially sure. if, once you get to like a hundred, you know, companies per cohort or whatever some of these, you know, bigger accelerators have. Um, so that's what it simplifies. It's yeah, kinda yeah. like gets you out of like having to negotiate everything, you know. And also it just helps attract a founder who's like the right fit, the right company fit for your accelerator. Yeah. So it, you know, your deal that you offer in terms of, you know, investment money, equity, what exact perks you offer will attract a certain stage of founder, Agreed. you know? Yeah. So it's all about finding the right fit of that. Cause you're sort of optimizing for finding the right kind of founder and then, you know, hopefully making them move faster during those three months for our, in our sure. case. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question about the it, sort of mechanics? hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Do you personally as an investor prefer safes or as you're like, 
Ugh, most founders want these and YC kind of made it cool. I feel how does a yeah. safe mm-hmm. hurt? What is the how does it okay. hurt in, uh, a founder in the later state? Because that is what some people tell me is like, Ugh, I, I got literally got this. Yeah, uh, you don't know. Like, and I was like, Jesus fucking sass ass. Well, also, you know, that some of that can be like, if someone just doesn't like something, that's kind of the way they, de- of course, they defend it. But, but tell me why they, yeah. why it would be bad for a founder future. Okay. So, and by the way, you should definitely, you know, Google for this. There's tons of stuff on Medium about it. There's both sides of the conversation, like investors yep. who are opposed to, to safes. Um, you have all kinds of, you know, uh, Y Combinator partners like defending it and that kind of thing. I think the biggest thing that like that I've heard anyway from VCs is that not pricing around, so not declaring that there's a value, a valuation of the company. Mm-hmm. We're worth this much money pre and post money, um, pre and post investment. Um, doesn't sort of, it doesn't let you know how much you actually own of the company. So as mm-hmm. a founder, later on when you do a price round, it might not be what you think it was. And so all uh-huh. of a sudden you could find out that in a bad case that like you own a lot less of your company than you thought and you didn't know that until then because of the way that there's just a lot of complexity of how like you know um shares convert and stuff like that so like you know vcs will have different type of share than founder shares for instance yeah um so preferred shares because they need to get paid back before the founder gets money if there's ever an exit yeah because they funded it right right um, and that, that's an investment for them, so they need to make money back. So they right. just, there's a little guard against that, essentially. Um, that's just a little window into like the complexities of it. Honestly, there's there's so much to it, and like I feel like I'm barely like. I mean, there was something about like dilution of founders later on, where you're like, well, that's true. If my thing is I want to raise a safe, mm. right, and I know the valuation is going to be astronomical. If I if I know personally that I can take your 1.2 mm-hmm. and turn it into 112. Yeah. Or at least 12. I, if I know confidently I can do that and I have a path there. Yeah. They would be so, wouldn't it be, what would be your, the converse, the other, the argument against that? Well, say it was a lower valuation than you were expecting. Now, all of a sudden, your piece of the pie is a lot, it's a lot smaller, right? Hmm. Wait, is it that way or is it the other way? Yeah. Is it yeah. the other way because you cap it? You yeah. cap the note or the, the safe? No, I'm trying to think in the down round it would suck because then you'd be giving away more of your company to the investors. Yeah, I think that's. But the, the right way. way my company, like that's what the way my company but you is structured. Are guaranteed, you're like I'm gonna make this or whatever. Right. Like when it, when you're raising to just put gas on the flame, mm-hmm. you will Doesn't not matter. raise a fucking. Di- if you raise it, I'm on the record with this. Oh, so this is an argument against doing the price round. Correct. Yeah. So well, like, that defers. I'm valuation. saying mm-hmm. any entrepreneur mm-hmm. that is raising to just put gas on the flame. Right. If you raise a down round, you suck as an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm putting it not out world there. Not world class. Like you oh, are definitely on. not world class. <laughs> but you kind of. Hey, like, everybody like, stumbles. Even Steve Jobs got fired from his own company, right? After it was public, though, right? Yeah, it's true. So I always tell people, funnily enough, that like. Nah, I don't mind getting fired for like saying something stupid. Like, I <laughs> want to go suck. out blaze of glory. Yeah, at least you know, like, not like that though. <laughs> why not? Like at the end of the day, don't you just kind of like go and go like, I want to be happy with myself. I'm not a bad person. Yeah, you got to be. I'm definitely gonna say something like in a conference call that's gonna be like, fuck that company. You know what I mean? <laughs> and go, ah, oh, you probably shouldn't. Have, why would you say fuck? You say that you now, know? but the more you get these like different stakeholders you on, Brian Chesky. Well, that's it. I you mean, become so you, very PR. 
Well, well, it may be because something that you want makes you sort of communicate in a certain way, or you learn that like doing what you're yeah. saying is like destructive and hurts people's feelings that have like a big yeah. amount of power. But b- sure. back to the VC thing for a sec. So um, Brad Feld, who's done like probably the most to educate founders oh, about, yeah, right. about like how the, you know um, deals work and venture deals is like a great book, and they they have a, um, that's what it is. Yeah, there's an open he source. Ran tech, cr- tech. Um, He's one of the tech co-founders stars. of TechStars. Yeah. Um, and he's also just, in a, he, he has like a, you know, VC, a foundry group. He's an investor in other investors. So he's kind of all over the place like that. But um, the biggest things that they talk about, he and his uh, co-author in that book, Jason Mendelson, is there's two things that you care about as a, as a founder and as a VC, economics and control. So mm-hmm. going back to your, your example of like, well, I don't care. It's going to be worth this much later, which is much more than, you know, that. What if you're not in control of your company anymore because you didn't realize you were selling however much you know uh oh, equity yeah. to these investors right they can fire your ass right. they can yeah. um they can decide they can block deals if you were like my my company's awesome i want to take an exit you know smaller exit for vcs because i can go like live on an island or whatever and that's cool for me yeah if that worked out that's a good you know that might be a good outcome for some founders but for vcs they needed to like you know yeah. whatever x return 100x 10x um and and then they can actually block that deal from happening. Wow. Because they have that sort of power. What would have to be in the language of the safe to you, do that? In the safe? Yeah. Oh, oh we're, I was still it on would the safe be, round, sorry. No, no, no. I think it would okay. be once the safe becomes something else that this Got trouble you, once would it happen. Once it actually converts. And, yeah. I okay. just remember that Fred Wilson um, from on his like avc.com blog oh, yeah. talked about this. And he made a case for always liking price rounds. At yeah, the sure. left, they do like Series A though, so it's sort of a bit later than you know, like YC founders, for instance. Isn't it also tens of thousands of dollars in attorney fees? Like, yeah. When you're like, why would I do that right now? I know that one's hard. Why but, would I take cash out of the business when I'm only when it's like, let's say you taking five percent of the cash that mm-hmm, I raise mm-hmm. and giving it to an attorney? I know. Why would I do that? Well, the the biggest reason to do it as a founder is because VCs do this for a living (laughs) and so they and they have expensive lawyer law firms that work with them on retainer or whatever and so they're going to win if it's a battle of like how good the lawyers are so (laughs) with some investors and hopefully you don't work with anyone like this but like they can get terms in there that are like not not favorable to you right so the having a you know good review of it at least by a lawyer a qualified lawyer is is a good idea to just kind of prevent misalignment in those terms again Amen. check out venture deals if you, if you like are interested in this kind of thing because they just spell it all out and it's like here's what to watch for here's what to um you know yeah. this will kind of be like seem like a good thing but actually sucks you know that kind of thing um but yeah what, what was your original question no i forgot the my original frame. question was what have you learned most in one of the pivots in your journey From oh really Zapier to oh. podcasting to the startup you failed hmm. what was one of the pit the one thing you've learned that was most valuable to you now? Interesting. I would say don't, number one, don't compare yourself to others, mm. Mr. World Class Entrepreneur. I have that. I have that problem. Because that is a recipe for pain and suffering. And the truth is, is that you never know what's going on with other people. You never I know agree. how they got there. And the I truth just assume is, everyone else is also suffering. That That's probably true. You know? I think that's a safe like, bet. But whatever version of it that you have in your brain of that dream outcome might not be what it is when you get there. Sure. And what you have to sacrifice to do that might not be what you want. Mm-hmm. 
So you have to decide for yourself, even at every of these stages in your career, you know, what, what is the best path? And that's okay. You can still be ambitious and you can still, you know, shoot for the moon and all this stuff, all the founder talk that people say. That's true. I mean, it's probably in your DNA. Like you probably like wake up like that every morning and no one's going to shake that out of you. <laughs> even if you fail, even if this business fails and the next one, whatever, you've already had this happen, right? Sure. So I would say um, don't compare yourself to others, at least in a negative way. So like if it inspires you to do more, cool. Like that's yeah. awesome. But if it's like you're starting to feel down on yourself because someone's younger than you, someone's whatever the, sure. than you, yep. it really doesn't help. And the truth is probably a lot different than what you're thinking. So, I agree. You know, sure. and this is something in your in control of, you know, you can't control how other people perceive you. But you cannot get taken down by that because the truth is, is as a founder, shit's hard enough already. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time just facing all the rejection you have to face, um, you know, recruiting people around you, retaining them, um, all this stuff. It's, it's hard. So the less you can put on yourself, the more resilient you'll be to that other stuff. Sure. I've learned that. I would also say that alongside that, like being, being who you are and finding out what your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and leveraging those and sort of, you know, finding positions and, and opportunities where you can kind of shine, I think is wonderful. Cause I've definitely done, my career is weird. I, I was a you know professional musician. I went to school for jazz performance <laughs> on banjo. Yeah. Then I worked in film and TV music in Hollywood. Um, and, and I was doing tech all through that time. So how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, I'm 40 as of like, no, uh, you're not last month. Yeah. No, you're not. That's right. I get that a lot. Bro. <laughs> dude i'm gonna post this not boring nation i'm gonna post this dude's picture on <laughs> the art look at his face remember i said i wasn't a smoker earlier yeah dude drink very little. i'm telling you <laughs> you look no joke 31 or 32 there you go damn it so yeah i guess i should have given some like health Good tips for or something you. for uh-huh. sure well we'll have to come to you back come have you come back on yeah uh where do you go from here well, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. I'm easy to find. I'm Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Landers, L-A-N-D-E-R-S. You can find me on Twitter at that at that handle. You can find me on Instagram at that handle. You can find me on Gmail at that handle. Not I'm just I'm Brian.Landers at Gmail? Brian Landers. You can do the dot. Oh. Did you know the dots in emails are arbitrary? No. The email client, like, you know, Gmail will not read dots or pluses. So when you see people with, like, first dot last name at corporation, oh, yeah. you could just type first last at corporation didn't it would know be the that. same. Oh, so you can cool. make up and change your email like on the fly. Right. Pro I tip. noticed the plus one, if you hit plus one, yes. it registers in systems as a different email. That's right. But it but goes it, to the same. You got it. Yeah, so it'll cool. ignore everything after the plus. That's, yeah, that's what, great. how that one works. All right. Okay, cool. cool Thank you so much, Brian. You bet, Jeremy. You're the greatest. No, you're the greatest. Right. Are we world-class? Was that a world-class <laughs> podcast? <laughs> it, was, it was close. <laughs>